When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New setup, new chairs, new camera, new year. Dude, I like this setup. It's very nice in here. Thanks. It's a little bit cold. I'm not Is gonna it? lie. Yeah. Oh, I like it cold. Oh, okay, cool. It gets a little hot once the once the lights start going. Okay, that's good. So me and you have had a very similar story journey mm-hmm. in the content creation, YouTube atmosphere, podcasting atmosphere. You're a golf guy now. Yeah. I just got my first set of clubs. Wow, congrats. Loving it. Are you horrible? No, because I used to play as a kid. Oh, okay, cool. That was the same with me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you can still swing and, like, your videos are, you're not, like, fucking up. You're no, good. I mean, I'm an eight handicap and I've only been golfing for a year. And you won a tournament, no? No, nah, that was clickbait. Oh, bro. My God. No, but here's the thing we, we got tied for first and then there was a playoff and then I shanked it at the end. I actually just posted that video today. It was brutal. But we should have won. It was it was kind of a mess at the end. The organizers didn't really have it together well. They let someone re-hit that shanked it because they let another team move their ball when you then they wouldn't let the other team move their ball. Huge disaster. We ended up losing. What is shanking? Like hitting it to the side? Yeah, like just shanking it, like hitting it away or whatever. I got to learn this terminology now. Yeah. I'm a golf guy. You got to get it. My goal is to get good this entire year, 2024. Focus on it. That... I'm getting my real estate license. Wow. I'm going to become WWE champion. Yeah, the belt's here. What was that for? I had two WWE superstars on. Oh, that's very cool. So that's like another realm of where I want to go into. But again, we've had very similar stories. So mm-hmm. you moved out from Ohio and you just had that passion for social media content creation. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain all that, how you got into it? Yeah, I think my journey actually starts back in Ohio. I went to Ohio University, which was a good school for journalism at the time. I don't know if it still is, but I really wanted to be an ESPN broadcast reporter. So I went to Ohio University and I got involved with like the TV station there, the radio station. I was doing that in my free time as like an extracurricular. And then I was just bored in college, had a lot of free time and I fell in love with YouTube. I fell in love with Devin Supertramp, with Roman Atwood. And then there was this... uh, party channel and at the time it was called i'm schmacked basically what they did is they went to colleges on tours and they made party videos and they would go to the next college and make a party video and they'd all go viral because it's just college kids getting messed up so i was like all right i'm at the number one party school in the nation we were voted by playboy that year i was like i'm gonna just make an i'm schmacked video for ohio university so I go out, I film these fests we had. We had like a weekly fest in the spring. So I filmed the first fest, posted it. That was on a Saturday. I posted it midweek Wednesday. 40,000 views, my first ever YouTube video. That was a lot. Zero subscribers, just word of mouth. I sent it to every single one of my friends. I'm like, yo, recap from this weekend. Send it to your friends. So I did the next one. 75,000 views because some like news station in Ohio State picked it up. And I was like, holy shit, I got to do the next one. So I filmed every single Fest video. But why this matters for my YouTube journey. When I was filming those Fest videos, I ran into a guy named Logan Paul. He went to school at the same school as I did for college. And he saw my hustle. He was like at these parties. He wasn't drinking. I tried to get him to drink. He wouldn't drink. Um, He saw that I was filming everyone else partying. And he's like, saw the work ethic in me. So I ended up... uh, Sending him a DM on Twitter, I think, and I was like, "Hey man, I made I'm, I ran into you or whatever. Like, let's work." Because he was making vines at the time, and I think he had like a couple hundred thousand, maybe like five hundred thousand. He was like famous on campus or whatever. So he reached back. We started making videos, 
And then in the summer, he lived in Westlake, Ohio, which is in Cleveland. And I lived in Hudson, Ohio, which is closer to Akron, but it's like a 45 minute drive. I'd go up there. We'd film like these YouTube videos. He was trying to get his YouTube going. I don't think he ever posted any of them, to be honest. Um, but then we went back to school for the semester or I did actually, he moved out to Los Angeles. He's like, yo, come with me and be my camera guy. I was like, dude, I can't, man. Like I have one year of college left. I can't just like leave my degree. I don't have millions of followers like you do. Like there's no guarantees. So what I did is I took every class that I had to take on campus because I was a junior and I came into college with credits from high school, from AP classes. So I took 20 something hours of every class that I had to take on campus and I saw which ones were offered online. So when I finished my junior year, I moved to Los Angeles with Logan and I took classes online back at Ohio University to finish my degree. And, and you went, ended up graduating. I did graduate, yeah. That's great. And to take tests, I had to take proctored exams. I would have to, Logan had this little Honda Grom. It's, you know what a Honda Grom is? A little motorcycle. Bro, I'm six foot four on Huge. a Honda Grom. <laughs> Driving, it goes like 50 miles an hour max, driving down the highway, the 101, to CSUN, to Northridge, to take exams, proctored. I looked like the dudes in Dumb and Dumber, bro. Like, people were pulling up next to me, and they're, like, <laughs> laughing at me. It was hilarious. But anyways, I was sleeping on an air mattress in his closet, uh, taking online classes, editing his videos, and, yeah, that's kind of, like, how I got into this world. The hustle of sleeping in the closet is insane. It's humbling. Because that's what you had to do to really try and make... Did you even have dreams and aspirations at that time of what you wanted to do with it? Or it was kind of just like the best opportunity at the time? You know, I never really knew as a teenager what I wanted to do with my life. And I think it's such a hard thing to tell a 17-year-old like to apply to colleges and figure out your life. Like, bro, you're 17. Like, how are you supposed to pick what you want to do the rest of your life at that age? So the reason I actually went to school for journalism is because my friend did. He's like, oh, I'm doing journalism. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do that too. Like, so then I did that. And then I met Logan and he's like, yo, come do this. And I was like, all right. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'll go do that. It sounds like an opportunity. And did so you I always like having that camera in your hand? And what was the, what was the biggest thrill of it? Because right when you posted, you got that satisfaction of 40,000 views. And at that time it was like, you did that on your own. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. That was your work, your eye. You edited it. You put it out there. And then all of a sudden, all these people see it and you're getting that instant gratification. Is that what made you want to keep going with it? I honestly just loved making the videos and I had a natural talent for it because when I started at the station, I didn't have any editing experience. And actually, the whole reason I got into like the technical side of filming and editing was because I was a freshman and they wouldn't allow freshmen on air. So I was like a pick me and I was like, well, what can I do to get involved? And they were like, well, we need camera people. I was like, all right, give me a fucking camera. I'll figure it out. And then they're like, I was doing well filming football. And then I filmed football games too. You know, it's funny. I actually filmed Joe Burrow when he was in high school. He went to Athens high school and I was like filming all of his games. Was he good? He was amazing. It was insane. They would win every game like 56 to zero. Did you have an idea that he would go pro? I mean, we thought so. And then he got benched at Ohio State. And then you're like, all right, you know, he's a third string quarterback at Ohio State. But then he goes to LSU and I'm like, holy shit, dude, this guy won the Heisman in the national championship. He's a first round draft pick. I filmed him in, when he was 15. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, just someone was like, hey, we, we need this mini pack edited. It's a minute long. Like, can you do it? Never edited before. I was like, yeah, I got it. Don't worry about it. Figured it out. Like I did YouTube tutorials and stuff. And then I turned it in. They're like, dude, what have you? You've never edited anything before? I was like, no, this is the first time. They're like, this is better than the seniors. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, thanks. So then I started to get involved and like fall in love with like the editing and the cameras. And I guess I just had like a natural talent for it. Yeah, that's kind of how I started too is because when I was 13, I always had a camera in my hand and I love making those YouTube videos and posting them online. And then the upperclassmen would come up to me in high school saying they saw my video and they thought it was great. And it was kind of like this band of misfits that didn't necessarily fit along in like the what after school program are you doing or are you in band? But we were like making videos out mm -hmm. there and it kind of just brought everyone together. So that's why I thought it was so cool that you did that too. Um, what do you think it was that brought you and Logan pairing off and making these videos together? I just, I guess right place, right time, you know, like had he not gone to Ohio university, it probably wouldn't have happened. And we were just both interested in the same thing. Um, I wasn't, I, I watched vines, but I never made them. Um, but yeah, I just like, 
I loved, I loved being around someone else who loved what I did. And I think that's why everything works so well with like the vlog squad, for example, and with all the people at 1600 Vine, everyone was coming together and waking up every day and they were all passionate about the same thing. And that's, I think that's the most important thing to grow, like surround yourself with people that push you, you know? That was my same journey mm -hmm. was because when I was in New Jersey, I had to force friends to make videos with me. Yeah. They would set aside a day and give me two hours to make a video and I had all my ideas and I'd film it and then I'd edit it and that was it. That was all I got. So when I moved out here, I started meeting all these people who like loved Instagram and loved making YouTube videos. I'm like, where have you guys been my entire life? Right. I had nobody in New Jersey to try and do it with. So then when I started doing the Instagram videos, I just like one video led to another and I ended up meeting so many people. Today, we are sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the overpriced takeout trap. Get chef-crafted, restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door, then heat them up in just two minutes, which means more time for you. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, and with Arena Club Slab Packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app, and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe Guarantee. You don't even have to leave your house. When things get hectic, Factor is flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week. Or pause and reschedule your deliveries at any time. Speaking from experience, Factor is delicious and easy. Factor has everything I need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats, in addition to ready-to-eat meals. They have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides that keep me energized during the frantic times. So head to factormeals.com slash LWparty50 and use code LWparty50 to get 50% off. That's code LWparty50 at factormeals.com slash LWparty50 to get 50% off. Try something new. Start the new year off right. So when you were at 1600 Vine, that was that same culture. Everyone was just making videos. Was it almost like a fraternity of content creators? I think, yeah, that's the best way to describe it. But I think the advantage that 1600 Vine had that, like, for example, the Team 10 thing didn't was everyone had their own living space. And I think, you know... Even, you know, there were hardships in Logan and I's relationship because we were friends first. 
then we live together and we work together and you're just mixing every piece of your life with one another. So I think the reason that the 1600 Vine stuff worked was because everyone, you know, had their own space. They had their door shut. I mean, they were mostly open. You could just walk in. Is that but, how it was? Like, oh, yeah. If the dude. door's open, let's film a video. Yeah, all the time. But, you know, you could hit up, you know, the best way to describe it, you can hit up, say, uh, for example, Anwar. He hits up Logan. Logan's busy. Well, then he hits up Amanda Cerny. Amanda Cerny's busy. Well, then he hits up King Batch. Like, someone's home and free to be in a video at all times. So it's like, even, you know, now we live in different places coordinating this. You're like, hey, what about Thursday? Um, But if you lived in that building, you could just be like, hey, you want to come do a podcast real quick? Like, it's just more convenient and you can just crank out content. How did the 1600 Vine even happen? Everyone just happened to move into the building coincidentally? I think King Batch might have been the first one to do it. Um, and then I think Amanda, maybe. I don't know the the whole like order of it. And then they just started all to move in there. Because I know Logan, when I first came out here, I was sleeping on his couch for a little bit. He lived uh, at the broadcast center above the Grove, above Erewhon, right there. So he lived there for a little bit with Jake. And then the next time I came out, they're like, oh, we got this penthouse at 1600 Vine. Like, that's where we're living. You're going to sleep in my closet on an air mattress (laughs) i was like all right dude came out with a suitcase and like a thousand dollars in my bank account and i was like all right this is what we're doing that's so cool yeah when you were living in the closet did it feel like you were really doing something what do you mean by that you were in this unique situation with this crazy phenomenon happening on the internet did you understand like did you feel like you were in the right place at the right time doing something I don't know, man. I think I was just taking stuff day by day and living in the moment. I didn't really realize the magnitude of the success, I guess, until like the daily vlogging era came around. Like Vine, it was just like, yeah, Logan, you know, I met him when he did have a few hundred thousand, but like he was my friend. So it was I didn't feel like I was hanging out with celebrities. But not even that, like more so for you that your career was on the right path. Oh, no, no, actually. So. When I was filming Logan shit and taking classes, bro, I was fucking exhausted. Um, And then Logan got busy with something. I can't remember what. I was making his videos. I was helping out all the other Viners. And I was, like, sitting there one day, and I had a conversation with my dad. And I was like, dude, I'm just not happy. Like, I'm living someone else's dream. Like, I'm sitting here helping all these other people achieve success. But I want to do it. And I'm like, I have the tools, right? Like, I had, I mean, I'm very thankful for my relationship with Logan. Like, he taught me so much. Like, he gave me so much knowledge about the industry. But, yeah, I was sitting around a lot because he was, like, shooting a movie or something. And I'm, I was just sitting. I'm, like, on my phone. I'm, like, dude, doing nothing with my day. I'm bored. I'm, like, calling my brother. I'm, like, yo, I think I want to move home. This is boring. Like, nothing's happening. And then I just decided, all right, I mean, why don't I just make videos that I make for Logan but for me? So then in my free time, I started shooting skits. I'd hit up like Hannah Stocking and Amanda Cerny and all these other Viners because I was friends with them because I was helping them. And what I did was I'd be like, hey, Amanda, uh, she like asked me to shoot a video for her. And I like and I realized I wasn't getting views or I wasn't getting followers when they would just tag me as the videographer. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll film your video. I'll edit it. But just put me in it somewhere. Like just get me on camera in one scene, whatever it is, and tag me. They're like, all right, cool. So then I started to grow. And then I got Hannah Stocking in one of my videos, and we filmed a video for her. And then that video, like my first Instagram video, I hit that, you know, at the right time. And I didn't realize this until looking back on it, but that was when Instagram introduced 60 second videos. And I posted a video with Hannah Stocking. It did like a million views, and I had like 40,000 followers. I grew like double that in the day. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. So what I realize now, looking back, whenever a a platform introduces a new feature, they push that feature. And I just so happened to start posting 60 second videos when they started allowing 60 second videos. So the algorithm was just like, oh, this guy's making 60 second videos. Let's push him, push him, push him. No one else is doing it. And I remember being in the gym one day and I had like a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but every video I was posting was getting like 4 million, 5 million. And like Rudy Mancuso came up to me. He's like, bro, what are you doing? That's like, why are your videos going so viral? And I was like, I don't know, dude. I'm just like making them. But I think I did I did have an advantage. I was I had the background in in videography. I was filming everything on a steady cam, on a DSLR. I was editing it to music, um, making it look all clean and stuff like that. So everybody else was shooting on an iPhone and then my stuff was super like cinematic for what skits were at the time. We had the exact same start. 
when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody. So I'd message everybody on Instagram saying, can I come shoot your videos for free? I'll get it back to you that night. And all I want is a tag. Yeah. And people would respond. I'd shoot two or three videos with them. And the most shocking thing when I got there was no one was filming on a DSLR. Yeah. I thought you had to have a 5D Mark IV to make it on Instagram. But everyone was shooting on their iPhone. So when I show up with this $4,000 camera, everyone was blown away. Right. They're like, do you know how to edit? I'm like, yeah, why? You don't? <laughs> um, these people have millions of followers yeah. making so much money, but everyone's shooting on their iPhone. But So when I showed up with that camera, as soon as I'd leave, they'd be like, hey, do you want to do again on Thursday? Before I even like get the videos back to them. Mm -hmm. So then same thing. People would tag me and like I grow like 50, 100 followers but it didn't do anything. Right. So then I did the exact same thing. We'll shoot your videos, but can you shoot one for me that I can post on my page after? And that's where I came up with the vlogging style of comedy sketches mm -hmm. where I can hold the camera and film you because I didn't want to be on camera. Mm -hmm. I still wanted you to be the focus, but I would kind of, I'd have the idea. I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. These are the props. Let's just try and improv it. I'll guide the entire thing. So as they're like reacting, I'm guiding the storyline. Mm -hmm. And once I have that minute, I'm like, done let's right. do another one so i'd be filming three videos with people in like two hours go home edit them all because they're so easy because i already edited right post it on instagram and i grew two hundred twenty thousand followers in a year because i was doing one video a day mm -hmm. and same exact thing that algorithm changed and i was like if this is working like go hard on it it's so important too to post it on your own page like you could be in someone's stuff like girls obviously have an advantage like i would you know, a lot of my content centered around like relationships and the wow factor. So I would get, you know, LA models and put them in my video, bro. They, I would gain like 10,000 followers on a video. They'd gain like 50,000. And I'm sitting there like, dude, you have it so easy. You just show up and I put you on camera and I make it funny and make you look nice. And you're fucking famous. <laughs> that's how, that's how it was. Yeah. I remember those, like a, a story tag could like change your life. Yeah. That's how it was. So you mentioned that you would go over and help everybody else. Mm -hmm. Were you getting paid from it or was that just you kind of networking, trying to get your, trying to get people to be familiar with you and trust you? Yeah, I wasn't getting paid by the other creators. The only person that ever paid me was Jake Paul. And, you know, when I was working with Logan, I was thankful for the opportunity. I was sleeping on the air mattress. Rent was free. I didn't make too much money during the month. Like I wasn't getting paid a lot. And it's LA is expensive. And I was like, dude, I asked Jake, I'm like, bro, like I, I'm not making enough money. Do you have any work for me? He's like, dude, don't worry about it. I got you. He's like, come take pictures of me. I'm like, all right, we go out, take Instagram photos, edit them. I get like a fucking $500 Venmo from him. And I'm like, what? Like, bro, I just took like 10 pictures. You don't have to pay me this. He's like, don't worry about it, bro. Like I got you. Like whatever, whenever you need help, just let me know. And I was like, all right, damn. Like Jake's like a real, really good dude deep down. I know like on the internet and the persona, of him um, is not, you know, portrayed well, but deep down he actually is a really good guy. And we do have a lot in common because we're the younger brother and we look up to our older brother and we just kind of want our older brother to accept us. And I think that's kind of the similar situation that he's in. Was this during the Team 10 days? <clears throat> Prior to Team 10, like right when it was starting. Were you close with him when Team 10 started coming out? Yeah, yeah, so we all live together. I mean, I live with Logan, dude. Imagine being a college graduate, coming to L.A. with people that didn't go to college, high schoolers, essentially. I lived on an air mattress in a closet underneath Logan Paul's clothes with Logan in the other room, a curtain separating the closet and him. <laughs> in the other room is Jake Paul, these Dobre brother twins. <laughs> the Dolan twins would stay there. Alyssa Violet, Tessa, Erica Costell, uh... Alex Lange, Niels Visser, bro, there would be 12 people sleeping in our apartment at a time. A On two, beds? Two bedroom apartment. Jake built bunk beds in the corner of his room. He had a big uh, king size bed that like four people would sleep in. People would be sleeping on the love sacks upstairs. It was outrageous. This is the grind. This is the start, bro. Was he even, he wasn't vlogging this, right? This is just no, the Vine days of vlogging. That's wild. Yeah. So when he transitioned to YouTube and Logan transitioned to YouTube and you started making your own YouTube videos, 
Did the traction come right away? I didn't start vlogging until I think I had half a million on Instagram. And then Lance210 and Casey Neistat convinced us to start daily vlogging. They're like, this is the wave. You got to do the wave. So Logan and I were going to, we did a couple test vlogs and I was going to, um, ended up having like kind of a situation happen that I don't really want to discuss, but had a little falling out. I just said, fuck it. I'm going to start my own vlog. Uh, at the time I'd signed a contract with curve cologne that made me pretty financially stable for the next two years. It was a two year deal. So I had the monetary money coming in on it and I was like, all right, let me take a risk. So I just started my own vlog. I think the first vlog did like 5,000 views. Next one did like, you know, it, it was a climb up, but I definitely had a little bit of a head start because I had the 500,000 followers on Instagram. Um, but I think after three months, my friend Wampa Zarita, he's a YouTuber, because I was like, how long does this take? He's like, three months of consistency, bro. Like, that's a horrible accent. But <laughs> uh, but he's like, dude, after three months, if you don't have 100,000 subscribers, try something else. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I think in like two or three months, I had 100,000. And I was like, all right, we're on the pace. And then... Where were you daily vlogging? Were you still living in the closet? Uh, no, I got my own room at that point. Jake moved out. Jake and Logan got in a huge fight. Uh, Jake moved out. Logan didn't want to live with him anymore. And then I took over Jake's room. And then me and Logan got uh, into a little falling out, I guess. And then I got my own apartment at 1600 Vine. When you got your own apartment, did you feel baller status? No. You know why? Because I had about four months rent in my bank account for the apartment and, and they was, gave you it yeah but i had that two-year contract coming in so i think i might have shown them that i'm like hey like i know i don't have it now but like this is my contract and i'm going to get paid quarterly for this so i think they i knew that was coming in um but yeah i was fucking panicking bro but i when i first started vlogging i did three times a week because i was editing them and then i did five times a week and i still edited three a week and then i had an editor in the uk edit the two other ones and then I was like, all right, I got to do daily now. So then I did daily, and then that's when I stopped editing, and I had two editors in the U.K. and one in Poland. 1600 Vine was always, like, the mystery land for people like me. Why? Because I didn't know if I was welcome. I didn't know if I was allowed to go. And I think the first time I went, I did a video with Ashley Kaltwasser. yeah. And I'm not going to say who, but I met someone in the elevator. They were so rude to me. Really? <laughs> and immediately I was like, okay. <laughs> but Ashley was amazing. She was great. I forget what we did. But we did, I was doing like. Um, you know why she's great? Why? She's from Ohio. Ohio people, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where I kind of like stayed where I was. But you know what's funny? I feel the same way about your guys' crew. I feel like you guys are like, no one comes into our crew. But then when you hit me up through the podcast, I was like, oh, maybe like you always seem like a nice guy. Yeah. But like, I don't know what it is. Like I have followers, but I'm still intimidated to like go up to your crew. I don't know why. That's so funny. So who reached out to who with you and Jonah? Uh, I think I reached out to him maybe. Was he like excited to do it or he was like, yeah, I'm down. It was so long ago. And that's something like I do love the fact that I daily vlogged. But when I was in that headspace, like. Dude, I was not living in the moment. Like, it was just a, like a rat race. Like, I describe it as like, if you go to the gym every day, are you going to remember every single day you go to the gym? That's daily vlogging. Like, you are you just wake up and you just, you're in like this wheel and you're like so focused on getting the video done and video out that you're like not even living in the moment. So like, yeah, Jonah, I don't even know how I reached out to him. Don't know the first time I met him. I know we shot a skit together, but like the, the, the details are just like, I don't even remember. Sometimes I'll watch an old vlog and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot I did that. You yeah, know? same, literally same. <laughs> Someone asked if I ever went to Super Bowl the other day. I'm like, no. Oh wait, I did. Yeah. <laughs> like you just black out. Yeah, literally. What was the best thing that came out of daily vlogging? Because the, that, and when you're daily vlogging, you have to say yes to everything. So it makes yes. you a yes man, which is, yeah. that's like the coolest perk. Uh -huh. You have to try everything regardless. Like I don't want to take a pottery class, but I do need to film a video. I think... Uh, some of the best things, number one, my whole life, not my whole life, but those two years are on camera and I can look back at that when I have kids, I can be like, Hey, this is what I was doing when I was your age. And then their grandkids. I think that's cool about the new generation. Uh, and with the technology, it's like, yeah, we can see pictures of our grandparents, but what were they like? What did they do? You know, for generations to come, they're going to be like, Oh, great, great grandpa Mark. 
Look at him in Los Angeles back in 2017, man. That guy fucking had it all. You know what I'm saying? Like funny shit like that. But that was really cool that my life's on camera. Um, I think the discipline of being your own boss and like no one's telling me I have to post every day, but I'm holding myself accountable to my audience and the discipline, the self-discipline. And I think the process really I think that's something I've learned over the years as you know the success has kind of come and gone and come and gone is the process is what makes me the most excited like building something and growing and getting better at it and figuring it out I like I like that process did you like filming with the Switzerland videos where you were putting a relationship online so <laughs> my Here's, here's how I realized that relationships did well. Because everything that I've learned has been trial and error and just kind of by accident, to be honest with you. So I was vlogging and the videos were doing well, you know, getting 100,000, maybe 200,000 views. And then I had my friend Rachel Cook. We went to uh, Sequoia National Park. We drove up there and I just, I was like super busy actually. I think I was on the way to um, the airport and I was like, I just need to make a thumbnail real quick. I don't have really any time. So I just put the thumbnail as a picture of her with like hard eye emojis and I captioned it. I have a girlfriend and it did like 1.5 million views. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I only had, was getting a hundred thousand views. Why'd this one do a million? So I was like, oh, people really like relationships and dating. I'm going to lean into this. And what's funny is I actually texted Rachel. I was like, hey, this video crushed people think we're dating. Do you want to be my fake online girlfriend? And she was like talking to someone at the time. And she's like, ah, I don't know, like I'm talking to this guy, whatever. And I was like, all right, whatever, it's all good. And then uh, like literally like a few weeks later, I met my ex-girlfriend and it just kind of worked out. But it, it was I wasn't like dating her for the vlog. I just so happened to meet a girl and then she happened to be into the same thing. So did you like putting that out there? For everyone to study and comment. So the success was great, but it came, yeah, it comes at a cost. I don't, looking back, no, because as I said, you didn't live in the moment much. And dude, there'd be times like we'd be, I was daily vlogging, right? Like I had to post, but we, you know, relationships, you have problems, you have fights, you get into arguments, you don't want to talk to each other. So I, we've, dude, there's times we have vlogged where we're in a fight, but like camera goes on. It's like, what's up guys? Welcome back to the channel. I'm here with, and it's like, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and then I turn off the camera and then we just don't fucking talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Toxic. Very. Yeah. Even the other day I got a couple scooters and mm -hmm. I was like, do you want to go take them down to Malibu? And my wife was like, for a video? I was like, not nah, for fun. And it, it became so much more like in the moment and exciting and it was like oh we don't have to intro it we could yeah. just ride them so does your wife not like that sometimes she i don't film us on our personal level yeah necessarily like if i do it's because i really really want to um and i think that was forming that barrier because I, when i was vlogging too even when i would do like vlogmas that's filming every day i had to like you don't turn it off. Your brain is just constantly right. thinking of ideas and you have to say yes to everything. So I didn't really want that, which is why I love this podcast is like, I can just zone out for that hour or so and then get back to my life. Yeah. I think, you know, what I'm struggling with now, honestly, is I've let so many people so far into my life that now when I draw back and I don't post, they get mad at me and I'm just like, Honestly, my struggle now is like I have told my story F two years straight. I daily vlogged. I've done hundred something podcast episodes like I have said everything about my life at some point on the Internet. So now I'm like, well, I need to tell other people's stories because my story's told in my opinion. So that's why like a lot of my videos center around like other people. I'm like, dude, I don't have anything to fucking say. Like when you ask me questions. Yeah, but like. Me on my own, I can't turn on a camera for some reason and like talk like this. It's just not because I was born behind the camera. Same. You have a podcast. Yeah. 
you've interviewed crazy people. Crazy people? Like crazy yeah, stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Insane. Um, A man who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge yes. and survived. Yep. A man who was in a terrorist attack. He's prevented one, yeah. Prevented one. Yeah. When you're talking with them, what do you take away from that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was very, very intrigued by the terrorist attack one because it was such a crazy story. I mean, this guy, it's there's a movie after it. Clint Eastwood made a, made a movie. It's the 1517 to Paris. He was on a train to Paris, and there was a terrorist that came on board, pulled like out a gun and, like, you'll have to like watch the full story and I don't want to give away the movie, but he prevented a terrorist attack. I like shot, got stabbed a couple weeks later. He's like at a bar, gets in a bar fight. This Asian gang stabs him, like almost kills him. Like this dude was like bad luck. Good luck. It was crazy. So I was just like on the edge of my seat, listening to that one. Um, Did you watch the movie before that interview? I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't know if it had been out yet, honestly. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Um, but so my, my friend Kevin Hines, his whole movement is be here tomorrow. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge 23 years ago in an attempt to take his own life and he survived. And, you know, in his story, he talks about you know, the moment his hands left the rail, it was instant regret. And when he hit the water, he's in the water. He's, his, his thought was no one's going to know that I didn't want to die today and I wanted to live. Basically, like very touching story, um, you know, brings you to tears like I I watch it sometimes and I'm like super thankful for life and you know being having him as a friend is like awesome because if I ever have any struggles mentally I can call him up and he's there for me um but at the time that I interviewed him actually it was when everything in my life had been going great and I had never had any mental health issues like I grew up in Ohio and I had a Catholic father and everything was cured with praying and God and, you know, throw some dirt on it type stuff. Like I didn't really have feelings growing up. We didn't talk about feelings in my family. So, and my life had been, you know, very good. I'm very thankful for my life up until, you know, I faced struggles with my breakup. For example, that was a struggle and losing friends was a struggle. I'd never really faced a struggle in life. And when I interviewed him the first time and he was saying all these things about like the voices in his head and the depression was this and the bipolar, I was like, bro, I've never heard of any of this stuff. So I didn't really talk much when I interviewed him because I didn't know what to say. I had never like had someone talk to me about like that kind of stuff. And I didn't really know empathy. So I just like sat there and I was like quiet and just let him tell his story. That was a crazy, crazy interview. Yeah. Being behind the camera brings really cool opportunities. You got to shoot with Ariana Grande. Mm -hmm. What was that like? That was a really cool opportunity in my life. Um, my friend who lived in 1600 Vine, she was a director for Ariana Grande, directing her Dangerous Woman music video, and she needed someone to do behind the scenes. And she'd see me shooting everybody's skits, and she hit me up. She's like, hey, do you want to come shoot behind the scenes for Ariana Grande? I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Who would say no to that? So I was working for Logan at the time, and I go to Logan. I'm like, hey, dude, like, this girl wants me to shoot Ariana Grande's like behind the scenes music video, like... I think it was like three days or something. I was like, can I go do it? He's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? No. It's Ariana Grande. He's like, I need you. I need you to film. I was like, bro, I can find someone to fill in for me for three days. I'm never going to get this opportunity again. I kind of got into it because he's like, I don't know what it was. What was it on his end? He's like, if you go do it, you need to pay rent this month. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Cause I was going to make my rent money of what would we do from Ariana Grande, which was more than what Logan was paying me. I was like, I'm willing to spend all the money that I make on this Ariana Grande thing for this rent that I can't afford just so I can work with Ariana Grande. He ends up letting me do it. He's just being a tough guy. Um, didn't make me pay the rent by the way. Uh, but yeah, I got the job and I was filming with her and you know, at the time I didn't really know, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. She knows what she wants. And at the time I didn't really, I was young and I didn't really, I was new to the industry and I'd never been around that level of, of stardom. So me being on camera and like these videos, I'm like, dude, why does it matter how you look? Like that's how you look. But she knows what she wants. 
So there was times where uh, I said something on accident and to Ariana. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't want to get too into it, but it was now looking back, I understand like, oh yeah, your image is important. How you are seen is important. But what I will say about her, dude, is she is such a hustler. And what impressed me the most, we shot, I think, a part two to The Dangerous Woman at her house. And she, I stayed after, I was filming behind the scenes. Bro, this girl was editing her own music video on Adobe Premiere. She was going through selecting the selects of the shots, like using all the hotkeys, editing her own music video after she just shot the thing. So she was singing, writing, she was act directing, she was the star, then she was fucking editing it, bro. That's she's very, very smart and knows what she's doing. Can I ask what you said to her? <sighs> no, I didn't say anything bad. I just noticed something. And yeah. I pointed it out and I didn't know that that was a point of maybe insecurity. Oh. Uh, and... The director was like, yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't do that. that. Yeah. I worked with Tom Ford. Okay. And do you know he directed a movie, Nocturnal Animals? No. He directed a really good movie with Jake Hall, And I was shooting and editing videos for his fashion week. And I was doing like, someone found me on the internet, asked if I want to do it. Didn't meet him. He flew me out to New York. We meet at the airport. And same thing. The, we were supposed to be a two-day shoot. Saturday got busy, so we didn't do anything. I still got paid. It was great. Mm -hmm. Sunday, we're shooting the videos, and I'm like interacting with Tom Ford, and that level of celebrity is just so powerful that I was just like, shut up. Don't say anything. Mm -hmm. You can't ruin anything if you don't open your mouth. Right. So I'm just like sitting there, like, and he's a director, so he's like, he like pushes me on the shoulder and like pushes me backwards. He's like, grab it from there. And then he comes over while I'm editing and he's calling out notes while I'm editing on final cut. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to recruit me to be in his movie next. This is so cool. Um, but just being around that level of perfectionism is crazy. And the fact that Ariana Grande edited her own video to show the selects that she wanted. Yeah. She trimmed the fat. I'm not, I don't know if she like, she didn't edit the whole video, but right, she right. was picking the selects and like the you know, angles that she wanted yeah. where she thought she looked the best. That's crazy. She, yeah. I mean, that's why she is where she is. Like she knows what she wants and she knows what works. She's very intelligent. And at the time, yeah, I was not accustomed to that level of perfectionism. So, but now I'm looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, I learned a lot from that experience. Did you get to shoot with a, did you get to shoot with any traditional celebrities at 1600 Vine? At 1600 Vine? Yeah. Like, would people come in and out and they asked you to come shoot the video for it? Because um, I know you did Kevin Hart in did, Hawaii. Did Kevin Hart in Hawaii with Logan. And we did The Rock, I think, in New York City. You shot that? Yeah. And then we did Vince Vaughn one time in Hollywood. Um, we met... We did a lot of stuff with celebrities. I can't remember really a ton of them, but... Some cool stories at 1600 Vine. Um, one day I was walking to the elevator and freaking Kendall Jenner just walks right past me. I was like, <laughs> that Kendall Jenner? Because our neighbors was friends with like Bieber and the Jenners. So he had parties all the time and went over there one time and I walk in the party and it's Justin Bieber's sitting there. Uh, Ruby Rose. Uh, like, I can't remember who else, but I was just like. Bro, what is my life? I was just in college, and now I'm in a party with Justin Bieber, Ruby Rose, Kendall Jenner just walked past me in the hallway. It was nuts. Did you feel like you made it, or you were on the right path at least? I didn't know, no. I didn't really know what I wanted to do still. I was just Logan's camera guy. Right. Yeah. What was the best thing that came out of daily vlogging? I guess the best thing for me coming out of daily vlogging is just like the fan base I've built, I guess. Not so much the opportunities. I guess it's more important to me, like, the connection I've made with fans and the fact that I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of someone's, like, childhood, for example. You know, I have people come up to me still. They're like, dude, I used to watch you when I was a kid. And I'm like, what? You're still a kid to me. But, like, when they're 14 through 16, like, their formative years, they would turn on all our vlogs. And, like, it's cool that, like, 
they they feel like a friend to me. You know, they feel like they know me because I've shared my whole entire life. And I think that's one of the coolest things. But in terms of opportunities, a really cool experience that I got, I got flown out to a billionaire's son's birthday clothing launch in Dubai. And I, I flew uh, business class on Emirates and he had like a private zoo. He had like ligers and like all this stuff and like just the luxury experience riding in Rolls Royces and eating amazing food, like the Salt Bay. We went to his dinner. It was that was probably the coolest experience. Was it a group of people or just you? Yeah, it was a group. Me, George Janko, FaZe Rug, Fousey Tube, I think, was there too. Uh, Did you Adam guys Sala. film it? Yeah, it's all on my vlog. Yeah. We swam with sharks in like an indoor aquarium at the mall. With this billionaire? Yeah, dude, Dubai's insane. Have you been? No. It's crazy. He just wanted to be friends with you guys? No, he, he was launching a clothing line, and he flew out a bunch of us influencers to push the clothing line to our fans. Got it. You're doing the Golf Channel now? Yeah, it's a struggle. You want to build that one up? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to make a hobby a business, I guess. I like to golf, and I've noticed now the trend on the internet is niching, niching down and picking a niche, so... Golf's a really huge niche. You got a lot of big golfers. Uh, these guys, good, good. Bob does sports. Grant Horvat, um, Garrett Clark. There's like all these really big golf influencers, which is insane to me. That all you have to do is wake up and go play around a golf and film it, and there's success there. And I think now that I'm 30, I'm growing older. I don't want to do the whole like, yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the vlog. Like, it's just not who I am anymore. Uh, that was all a performance, and I'm done performing. So I just want to be myself, and hopefully people can see that side of me through the golf as well. Again, we've had the same exact journey because I've had the same exact golf idea a month ago. Dude, you should start. I, I Let's want... make a golf squad. Done. The <laughs> golf guys. Think about how we'll grow. Yeah. You know how it works. I got my golf clubs Christmas, and I've been to the range a couple of times. It was really fun. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like my new working out. This is my new food stuff. Yeah. I can golf. Yep. I will say the videos are super tedious. Yeah. So you're doing an 18-hole course, which is five hours, four hours, and yeah. you're just filming the whole thing? Pretty much. I mean, you film the shots, then you get a GoPro in the cart, you film that, and then you got to do the drone shots and stuff, then you got to do the tracers afterwards. It's like, you know, you're cutting... Are you droning it yourself? Yeah. You're cutting down three hours of footage into like 18 minutes because I just do nine holes and nine holes because I don't want to sit there like these other golf guys they've uploaded hour-long videos and I'm like Dude, are people watching it apparently I don't know what their watch time is and they, I mean I've never seen them share their analytics but me myself I can't just sit down and watch an hour of golf like I'd rather go play so I'm like condensing mine into like 18 minutes which I still think is like kind of long but looking back like I think people are kind of taking a shift to the more slow content now Dude, TikTok has created such an ADD in this world. Like, I even find myself, I sit down and watch a movie, and like in five minutes, I'm like on my phone because I'm I, the movie's not happening fast enough. It's crazy. So I think people want more slow pace. I hope. Have there been any movies this year that you really liked? I watched what was that May December? Is that what what's that movie called? <laughs> Wait, I watched the new Hunger Games. Incredible. Really. Iron Claw. Oh, I heard about that. I heard it's amazing. It's great. It's depressing, but it's great. It's shot beautifully. Okay. I said, do you know Trevor Wallace? Yes. He did a video making fun of all of the A24 videos that if it doesn't look like it's shot in a TikToker's basement, it's not A24. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of them are so gritty and like dark. Oh, I just watched Prisoners. It's an old movie. Yeah. Dude, Jake that, Gyllenhaal, Hugh that Grant. That was really, really good. What happened to Monday? great movie have you seen that no it's really good lucy with scarlett johansson she like ai she like becomes like she takes like a pill or whatever okay like that what do you have coming up anything fun I'm, I'm relaunching my podcast actually so something that i realized is podcasts are evergreen and i've been posting my old podcast from six years ago that never saw the light of day on tiktok and they're all going viral. So I'm like, well, I guess I get back to my college roots and I start hosting a show again and interviewing people. So that's what I'm working on now. I'm doing the golf channel. 
And then I, I, I want to make more music in, in 2024. That's something I like, too. And then... Yeah, you have a banger of a song, Threesome. Yeah, that thing crushed. Yeah, I didn't know that was you. Really? No, so I, when I was listening to your music, I was like, Threesome, maybe we could have a thing. Yeah. How'd that do? Amazing. It has like 23 million streams. No promo, no nothing, just TikTok. And did anything crazy come out of it? Like, was anyone ever playing it that you walked in on? So, actually, a few weeks ago, I went out with a buddy, and his girlfriend brought her roommate and I drove and then we got in the car after we went to this the waterfront in Venice or whatever and we were driving to a friend's house I, was, I drove I was like oh I'll drive like get in the car and then my buddy's like yo play threesome and then the girl that I'd never met before his girlfriend's roommate was like oh my god I know that song maybe we can have a threesome just us and then he was like that's his song she's like no way she like facetimes her friend she's like I'm with the guy who made that threesome song that's that was our favorite song <laughs> That's such a banger. And yeah, no one knows that I made it, I guess. And actually, the promo of that song, I was like, this is my TikTok song. And a friend had actually told me, he's like, dude, this don't release the song. It's going to ruin your life. Like, it's it's not good. But every time I would play that song when it wasn't out to my friends, I would be like, hey, can you go check out some of my new music. I'd play all my songs. And then they're like, they would always be like, oh, what's this one? And then I'd play the other ones. And they're like, when I finish, they'd be like, you'll play threesome again. That one's catchy. And then I would go over there the next day and they're like singing it. And they'd, I'm like, yo, you're singing my song. They're like, what song? They're just singing it and they don't even know it. And I was like, okay, this is something. So I'm like, I'm going to release it. And I actually saw a TikTok by David Dobrik. He did a, a video with like two girls and it was that Backstreet Boys, I want a three-way. And I was like, I'm going to, and this started to become a trend on TikTok. I want a three-way. you like, whatever, put two people on your arm. And I was like, I'm going to do that for my song, Threesome. Because the lyrics were, I really like you and I really like your friend too. Is there nothing we can do for the both of you? Maybe we can have a threesome. So I did that. I got uh, Francesca Farago, the girl from Too Hot to Handle, to be in it. And then my uh, roommate's girlfriend at the time. And I just put them it was they obviously had already heard the song i was like yo just like push me away when that when it gets to threesome like get a give me a reaction so i started that trend that i stole from another trend and then i had all my friends do the same video i'm like hey can you just do this with your friend and post it for me like to help me promote my song they're like yeah we got you so then people started to pick it up and they're like oh this is i'm gonna do this because it's funny and then what really took that song off, it was doing really well. It had like a million streams in like the first week. It was crazy. I'd never seen like that kind of numbers. But what took it off is some kid made one of those videos that I did, the same thing. And he like put a caption like, uh, my girlfriend and on, on above one girl and her sister or something like that. And it went viral on TikTok. And then one day I'm, I was golfing actually with my dad and I kept refreshing like the numbers to see how many streams it was getting. Bro, it took off like 200,000. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I go on Instagram, some meme page with like 9 million followers posted that video and the video went crazy viral and it was like, had I don't know how many millions of views and then that made my song blow up when it reached Instagram. Power of the internet. Crazy. Damn. That's sick. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming by, Mark. Dude, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. What's the name of your podcast? Are you still sticking the same name? I think I'm going to go back to Live It Large with Mark Donner. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening. If you like this, leave this video a like and a comment and let us know. If you like it. If you like it. Lightweights. Out. Sick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.